Hello, everyone, and welcome to the React Native Show podcast. I'm Mukash, and in this episode, we'll have the most awaited topic of all time here at the React Native Show podcast, uh, the most asked about, which is the new architecture of React Native. And with me today, I have a very special guest, uh, Nicola Corti from React Native team at Meta. Hello, Nicola. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for having me on stage. Super excited. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was looking for someone who can uh, explain the new architecture to our viewers and listeners, and there is no one better than you. Uh, you have uh, great talks from conferences. Uh, you have great experience. So maybe we can actually start about talk talking about what is your role at Meta, at React Native Team. Yeah, sure. Um, so hi, everyone. My name is Nicola. Uh, I work as an Android engineer in the React Native team. Uh, and, and as you said, one of the projects I've been working on recently is rolling out the new architecture in the open source space. Um, well, as you, as you can imagine, uh, that's like a, a non-trivial task. Uh, we did a rollout of the new architecture internally at Meta in all the various apps that are using React Native. But when it comes to open source, there are like a lot of more constraints and attentions that we need to, to take care of to make sure that everyone outside of, of us can easily use those new APIs and those new capabilities. Yeah, and I guess what's also important part of the conversation is the conversation is um, engaging in this kind of uh, talks with community so that everyone understands what is the new architecture, how can we use it, when can we use it, and all that context. Um, I want to start with asking you a question that I ask all of my guests, which is, when was the first time you encountered React Native, and uh, what was it for you that drove you to using it? Were you using it before joining Meta? So yeah, now I need to reveal my secret. And uh, no, I was not using it before joining Meta. Um, I am like, my, my background is doing Android development. I always, uh, you know, advocated for native Android development. Um, but at the same time, I have a strong passion for infrastructure, build tools, and also open source. And um, so to tell a little bit of story about it, um, as, as people probably know, uh, Meta has um, a process during the onboarding called the bootcamp. We can find it information online if you, if you Google Meta bootcamp. There are plenty of blog posts about it. But basically, in the first weeks, you have the opportunity to try different teams and see the one that will fit your, your skill set. And I got to reach out from the React Native team. And at first, I was like, I never use this technology. I'm not sure I want to work on that, you know, like I want to do something native. But then I realized that there was so much opportunities for me um, to, to use my skills in this space. And the thing that really like that there was like the, the deal for me was uh, that there was so much open source involvement. I've been doing open source since I don't know, like since I was 16 or so. And, uh, and the opportunity to work full time 
on a project that is open sourced and used by, I don't know, thousands, millions of developers out there, for me, it was just like, yeah, I want to do that. Like, I want to make this thing better, improve lives of other developers. It was just like, I, I felt that this, this was the place for me. Uh, and I have to mention that it was like also a little bit a step outside of my comfort zone because I've been doing, as I said, I've been doing a lot of native Android and I never really touched uh, that much um, tools in the, in the web space, but I was always like amazed uh, by how fast the web ecosystem is, is evolving. Yeah. And I thought like, yeah, let's, let's jump on this. Let's see how we can make it better and what I can do. What I can say, I think it's a great fit that you have this deep knowledge of Android ecosystem and we need those kind of people. We need people with deep knowledge of web ecosystem, of iOS ecosystem, so that we can create great React Native ecosystem, which is React web and native Android or iOS uh, combined. So I think uh, I'm really grateful that you actually chose this team so that we can have you here and we can discuss all the greatest things uh, that you are creating in, with React Native at Meta. So uh, before we jump into new architecture, maybe we can uh, have some small discussion about React Native uh, in context of history. So we've, ha we've had React Native for seven years now, something like that. Um, can you speak? I, I know that you are not uh, originally from React Native, uh, but can you speak some more to how React Native was um, created and how it evolved and why we need new architecture? Yeah, I can briefly talk about it. Uh, again, uh, this is common knowledge. You can find articles about it online. Uh, but essentially, React Native started as an initiative uh, within one of our hackathon. So at Meta, we have a strong culture around hackathons. So we have the opportunity to create new prototypes and ideas and evolve products in the way that we want. And someone just decided, how about we take those, those APIs that works well on web and we try to create mobile applications for that. And, um, and then people immediately realized how powerful this tool could have been because you could have just, in a sense, reused uh, your web knowledge to write native apps. And historically, writing native apps has always been like, um, like a really complex tasks. It requires yeah. a lot of uh, specific knowledge on the platform. The APIs might be similar, but also there are a lot of nuances. They are typical to Android and iOS that requires some degree of uh, native knowledge. That's why, like for example, a lot of startups feel this pain. You need to hire like a bunch of Android engineer and a bunch of iOS engineer, and you can just you know use a cross-platform solution that will help you save essentially on costs. Like you don't really need to to hire like a full team of native engineers. And I mean, again, uh, I'm um, like a, a, like I want to be frank. A lot of people always come to me and ask me like should I use React Native or should I use other Framework X, which is other cross-platform solution? Yeah. Or should I use React Native or should I use a native solution? Like, right, just native Android apps or iOS apps. And my answer to this is always like, use whatever tools works for you. For us, it worked pretty well in some use cases, but there are also other use cases at Meta where we don't use React Native just because it's not the best 
tool to solve their problem. So again, there is no silver bullet in the, in the mobile space as a whole. Use whatever tools yeah. works for you. It seems like React Native works for a lot of products out there. So I'm glad we are like working on improving it and making it better. Yeah, like more and more products. But like you said, the Facebook app completely isn't written in React Native. There are some parts that are React Native, but the app is a brownfield application that needs to perform on all of the devices and needs to use different techniques for different use cases. Uh, so yeah, thanks for the background of React Native. Um, let's move on to the new architecture. So uh, as a member of React Native team, can you pinpoint the moment that it was decided? What was the process of decision that we need to restructure the core? that we need to reinvent some of the mechanisms uh, of React Native to be able to better target some of the use cases? Yeah, uh, again, I was not there, <laughs> but uh, I, can, I can totally point and reference a talk from one of my colleagues, Joshua, uh, that he gave at React Native EU uh, 2021, I believe. Yeah, um, last year. So yeah, so please go and check it out because he is like way more experienced than me on the team and uh, like he can tell more about it. But essentially the new architecture uh, was started, I believe like four years ago. Um, and initially it was like, um, like from, th there was um, essentially like, it, it was like an idea started from engineers and uh, there was a common knowledge that we could not achieve certain capabilities, certain API, specifically also certain concurrent features and certain performance goal could not be achieved with the current status of the, let's say, old architecture of React Native. A lot of those problems were related to the, to the famous bridge, uh, which caused like, it was essentially a bottleneck for yeah. like a lot of performance uh, performance issues and so on. So initially this started as uh, what was accounted for as a six month project. Uh, <laughs> it turns out, it turns out that the, some of the surfaces on the, um, on some of our apps, specifically on the Facebook app are so much optimized. So like engineers, like product engineers work so hard to squeeze every possible frame and in, like every possible improvement from those surfaces that it, it, it like, you know, if there is an edge case in our app, you will, you will, you will end up in that edge case mm. in one way or another. So it turns out that rolling out this new architecture internally, it was a huge endeavor and it took us, I believe something around like three years to the full rollout. There is something great that you mentioned, and I, I, I want to um, shed some more light on it. Uh, so the new architecture has been in works for four years. It has been adopted at main Facebook app last year, around this time last year. So it's been in main Facebook application for a year already, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily ready for everyone else to use because in uh, in like real world outside of Facebook, people are using external libraries that has to be migrated. They have to be migrated. And that brings me to a question statement that inside main Facebook application, there are no external dependencies on those libraries, correct? 
Uh, well, um, as you said, some of those libraries are actually migrated. Oh yeah. And um, also um, to, to give a sense here. So if you're depending on a big library, you're right. That library might, might, need, might need a migration because maybe it's using so many APIs and some of those APIs are not available anymore. But there are a lot of small libraries, which essentially they will not need any migration. They're just like backward compatible. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah um, you're right in a sense that uh, this, um, this migration of the open source space affects us as well. Uh, in, uh, as I said, uh, we, we keep on focusing also a lot on the Facebook app, but there are, there are a lot of other apps that are uh, depending on the React Native ecosystem. And that's also crucial for us that the whole ecosystem comes, comes along with us. Like if we roll out a new API, we want to make sure that we use it internally, but also people outside are using it. Because for us, keeping multiple APIs as a cost, like now mm -hmm. we are still maintaining the old and the new architecture. And, and I mean, internally, we, we use the new architecture on a lot of surfaces and so on, but um, it, we can't just remove the files of the old architecture from the repository, you know, like people would not be able to update to the new React Native versions if they're not on the new architecture yet. Yeah. So, so in, in a sense for us is, is double maintenance and we want to make sure that we all evolve together to those new APIs so that we can properly deprecate them and clean them up and so on. Let's move on to what is the architecture of the new architecture. So what are the main things inside it? Uh, can you speak some, some, something to that? Yeah, uh, totally. So um, little disclaimer. I don't know when, the, uh, when this podcast will, will go out. Like we are recording is, is like August. But uh, I believe that by the time this podcast will be out, um, there will be an updated version of the documentation uh, of the new architecture on the website. Uh, so maybe uh, we can add a link in the description or in the show notes yeah, yeah. Uh, with that. Uh, because as I said before, we are putting so much focus on docs uh, and we want to make sure they are uh, polished and um, like th they're simple also to understand and so on. The new documentation has a section called Pillars uh, and pillars are like the components of the new architecture. And, and there are several. Uh, the first one is the new renderer. So the, the way how things are displayed on screen has been updated. Uh, and the new renderer has a code name, which is Fabric. You, you, you will find it a lot like online on various of our docs. Then uh, we also took a stance and updated the native module system. And the new native module system is called Turbo Modules. Uh, again, uh, we updated the way how you can interact with the host platform and do calls uh, to your like specific Android and iOS APIs if you need to. Uh, on top of that, we also released a new component called the CodeGen. Uh, and on this, I, I want to do one clarification because uh, I, we keep on, you know, getting questions about the code and people tell us how, how great it is because uh, it helps simplify their, their, their code and, and so on. So the idea behind the code is that when we rewrote those two, two parts, so the renderer and the native modules, we thought like, hey, there is a lot of boilerplate. Like, how can we find a way to generate code 
which is platform specific. It comes from a, like a specification of your API and we can just offer the user like Java, Objective-C, uh, C++, and, and so on code, which is generated from those specifications. This is the code gen. The code gen, however, is completely optional. Like it, it helps you because uh, you will not have to write that code that the code gen mm. writes for you. Uh, but it, it's, it's optional in a sense. In the docs, you will find it as highly recommended. So we, we invite people to set it up. Uh, but for more advanced use cases, and I've been, I was talking today with some uh, like library that has more, is more like a more advanced use case of the new architecture. Uh, they might just use the cogen for not all of all of their APIs, or they might just not use the cogen at all. Or you might use the cogen, get the output, get inspired by that output, and then uh, actually yeah. write your code as the cogen will write that. Um, yeah, and then, uh, well, uh, as I said before, there is a, a lot of buzzwords about the bridge, the bridge. And so if you, if you take a new React Native application with the, with the new app template now, uh, you will see that, uh, like if you look into the internals, you will see that the bridge is actually still uh, initialized. And that's uh, because of uh, backward compatibility uh, issues. So uh, in the future, uh, this is not available yet in the docs, but there will be uh, options to fully disable the bridge. Um, so are that, you saying yeah. that if I create my application and I turn on this flag in Gradle, uh, the bridge will still be there? It will still initialize? Yeah. Uh, so uh, just to clarify, we don't have flags to turn on as of now. Like oh. it's something that is uh, going to be released in the future. Uh, but people have been asking us this over and over. So there will be a way to fully get rid of, like do not initialize the bridge at all. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like there will be documentation on how to do it and so on. The problem is that uh, you will need all of your libraries and dependencies to be fully migrated to the new architecture because they cannot start otherwise. Yeah, yeah. To summarize this section, uh, quick overview of new architecture. We have pillars and the pillars are fabric, which is new UI layer, uh, turbo module, which, uh, which is a replacement of native module. We have a code gen and then bridgeless mode. And bridgeless modes is like actually uh, inside turbo module and inside fabric somehow. Correct. Right. And actually if you, search in the code base of React Native for bridgeless, you will find uh, like APIs. And I think people might find a way to enable that somehow. Um, but still, we, we haven't been advocating this yet. Uh, we don't envision this to be a like, big migration as uh, the other, like the current docs. Uh, it will just most likely be a flag or so. Uh, but before we offer yet another flag, we want to make sure that the API is polished and is easy to use and is documented and so on. Talking about documentation, I actually want to uh, highlight another point. If you go on the reactnative.dev website, on top, you will find a tab called architecture. Yeah. Uh, if you click there, we uh, started to release deep dives uh, on the structure of the new architecture. Specifically, there are deep dives about the renderer. So um, 
you will find instructions, uh, not instructions, it's more like design documents on how the renderer works internally. And um, let me, let me, yeah, let me clarify, like those kind of docs were highly requested for a long time. And uh, I think they were just like, you know, long overdue. And I'm glad that we found the time and uh, the, like, yeah, we just found the time to, to essentially polish them and add the diagrams and explain how things works internally. Because uh, in a sense, um, I also have this, this feeling that for a long time, React Native was this sort of black box. Like there were some, like some libraries that were using the internals, using like doing more advanced stuff. Oh yes, we we will talk about that later. <laughs> but yeah, in general, like people didn't know how things worked internally, and so we, for the sake of transparency, we wanted to be more like you know open with the community and explain, um, yeah, how things how things works internally. And uh, we hope you find this documentation useful. So far, we have the one about the. Um, the renderer. Uh, in the future, uh, we hope to release more. So stay tuned. Whenever we release more, they will be tweeted on the React Native um, Twitter account, and we're gonna like reference it over and over. It will be picked up by newsletters. So, so you I will find it. I can definitely tell you, share some of my my story, how my experience experience with new architecture has been. So. First, you are looking at the docs. There is no, nothing there. There you are looking at some like medium uh, or conference talks. Uh, there is some information there. Then if you want to dig deeper, you are looking at the internal implementation of libraries like Reanimated. <laughs> and then you might want to look into React Native core implementation, but the, I didn't get that far. But yeah, th that. That was actually um, the road until a year ago when you wanted to know something more about the upcoming new architecture, which was actually already enabled somehow in the React Native uh, implementation. It was just not ready for to use because of the lack of documentation, the lack of knowledge. Yeah, and, and to follow up on that, uh, that's basically where I picked up everything. Like, um, to be frank, the new architecture was available in React Native since I think uh, might be wronger, but I think it's sixty four or sixty five. Um, so uh, the, there was a version of React Native which can like, um, especially if you look inside on Android in the APK, you will find more native libraries. You will find libraries called Turbo Modules and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and those libraries uh, are basically the new architecture. Like those are the new APIs you can call. Uh, but as you said, uh, I think the, the things that were missing were two. So first, docs. And um, yeah, basically when, when I picked up this project, the, um, like the, the docs around the new architecture were Let's say essentially nearly absent for uh, I'm talking <laughs> about existing. the open source the open source audience and uh, the docs at that stage were basically blog posts of people that looked mm -hmm. at internals and played with that and explained to humans how they could also use it. Uh, but I mean, we, we obviously were aware of uh, the need of proper docs to make sure that this was adopted and so on. Um, so yeah, we just took a stance and we wrote them from scratch. And um, 
And also the other thing that I believe it was missing, which we also spent a lot of time on, is updating the template uh, so that you can just create a new app and uh, uh, by turning a switch, you can start playing yeah. with the new architecture, the new renderer and the new, the new module, um, the new native module system. Uh, so as of now, the first version of React Native that supports the new architecture, let me reiterate for everyone, is React Native 68. Again, you could use it in previous version, but you will mm -hmm. have to do a lot of manual modification. From 68, the template, like if you do React Native in it, version 68, you are getting a template which is new architecture capable. And uh, uh, from there on, there are, uh, like basically all the versions allows you to, to change, uh, like on, on Android is a property in a, in a file called Gradle.properties which is called new arc enabled. And on iOS is a variable that you will have to put on terminal called a new arc enabled, RCT new arc enabled. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that basically, uh, if you change that switch, the project will adapt itself to enable uh, the new architecture basically everywhere. Yeah, thank you. So what I want to do now, and tell me if I'm completely missing the point here, but what I would like to do now is to go through the pillars again and maybe try to explain as much as we can in an audio form, try to explain what is the difference between the old architecture and new architecture. What is the difference between, for example, paper and fabric, what it enables us to do. And of course, let's, uh, let's put the show in the show notes links to documentation for this because... Um, we probably cannot explain diagrams and, and, and all that. But if you could do like an elevator pitch for each one of the new pillars, uh, that would be great. Do you think we can do that? Uh, yeah, although some of the points are actually shared between pillars. So I will, um, I will touch on some. Yeah, do it like in your own way. Yeah, totally. So um, yeah, first, uh, you probably heard about React 18. And yeah, I think it, it was like, you know, quite of a big release. Um, React Eating comes uh, with a lot of new features and a lot of new APIs, um, uh, which are called like concurrent features or concurrent, like concurrent root, you might find it uh, referred somewhere. I think but it's called concurrent React and it concurrent was called React. concurrent mode. Correct. So anything concurrent star on React works only with the new render. So if you want to use those APIs like start transition and so on, you need to be on the new render. The new React Native render fabric has been designed to work well with React 18. You will not be able to use those new APIs on the old render. So mm -hmm. as of now, essentially, if you, have, if you create a new app with React Native, you don't enable the new architecture and you start to use start transition, that API will do nothing. It's empty. Uh, so you will, will crash need... my app in production. It really depends API by API. Some of the those APIs I believe are like uh, essentially empty implementation and will have no effect. Oh, okay. uh, I don't think it will crash your app. And also, like I might not be the the most expert per person to answer those questions. Um, but yeah, essentially those APIs are available only on the new architecture. Like they are functioning only on the new architecture. So you need to be on the new architecture to use React 18. Also, uh, here, let me clarify. 
the fact that you have React 18 in your package.json doesn't mean that you're using the React 18 features. The React mm -hmm. 18, like let's say capital R React 18. Um, you, again, you need to be on the new architecture to use React 18. That's quite critical. And also, uh, I want to uh, stress how this is important for, for the sake of technical depth. Like, if you don't start looking into uh, migrating to the new architecture, you might just lose the train at certain point. Uh, and, you know, React versions will keep on evolving and there will be new APIs and new features new APIs, new capabilities that are built on top of that. So the, the like, and here, let me clarify, the, the new architecture was never intended to be like, um, like a boost of performance kind of change. The new architecture is essentially um, designed to be a door opener for new APIs, new capabilities that were not possible with the previous render. So I would say, do not expect major performance improvements. There will be some performance improvements, but that's not the selling point. The selling point is that we will release new APIs and new changes in the future, uh, which, um, yeah, which you will need to be on this new architecture to, to benefit from. Mm -hmm. um, and also, again, let me clarify, I understand that the migration might look um, too big, and people might be like scared of the amount of changes and we are actively working on that. Uh, specifically, I can say that, for example, for React Native 71, um, the template uh, has been extremely reduced in the number of lines of code. So um, like, again, if you, if you touched a bit the, the Android template, you will see that there are like C++ files and, and new files that got created. Uh, and and we realized that, well, that, yeah, I mean, that works. If you create all those files, you can use the new architecture, but we can also try to simplify that as much as possible. So again, we are striving to make the new architecture as simple as changing one line. Maybe it will not be like, we will never reach that just one line change, but we are highly working on simplifying the steps that every app and every library needs to follow to update the new architecture. Also on this, uh, we released a repository called uh, RN uh, New Arc App, I think it's called. We can add a link in the show notes, which contains several branches. Uh, and uh, for every branch, we showcase how to migrate your app from React Native 67 to 68 to 69 to 70 and to enable the new architecture with that. So you will have like a step-by-step -step guide with an example app that actually runs on the new architecture. Um, so back to the elevator pitch, which was your original <laughs> question. Yeah. So um, another thing, uh, like there are a couple of two, two things that, that I want to mention here. Um, first, uh, both the new render and the new native module system, they are uh, underlying implemented with C++. So whenever I say C++, people are afraid and scared and they run away. Oh yeah, um, I understand that. <laughs> understandable. I'm the I, same I, way. Yeah, I, uh, that, like, I can see why. But um, the reason why this was, um, like th th this major rewrite was done uh, with C++ is to unify um, the implementation of two platforms. Like historically, the Android and iOS render were not aligned 
like they were behaving differently. Uh, and there were like a lot of bugs, which were coming from this misalignment of implementation. Uh, having a single implementation uh, allows us to handle a lot of those bugs, uh, gives you confidence that the rendering is the same on both flat platforms. It opens the door for porting over this render to more, more platforms yeah. like desktop and, and other platforms, which are, uh, yeah, which we're, lo we're looking into. I think uh, what is the great, what is great about what you just said is like, it's a, it's taking React Native idea to next level, to like next logical level. If we have this JavaScript implementation, which is common, let's just have native implementation, which is also common. Yeah, totally, totally. And uh, on on this, I actually want to uh, mention the, let's say, second selling point, um, which, I mean, I'm strongly opinionated and passionate about. I hope later we will touch also on modern languages because it's a topic that uh, it's really yeah. it's really close to me. Uh, but yeah, like one of the selling point of the of the new architecture is also uh, type safety. Uh, and this is achieved through CodeGen. So the idea that uh, whenever you have like multiple layers, and in this case we have three, like we, we have, let's say the JavaScript layer, the, um, the platform layer, so Android and iOS, Java, Objective-C, and then you have like a, like a native underlying C++ layer, you need to make sure things are in sync. Like if uh, the name of a property is not the same, things will blow up badly. Uh, that's why a tool like CodeGen uh, is specifically placed to help us ensure type safety on like on the all on all the layers, and um, and yeah, like again, CodeGen is a tool which is evolving. Uh, we are adding new APIs, we are adding new capabilities, and we're adding new languages. And here, let me briefly touch on this because uh, when we release the first iteration of the new architecture docs for uh, for open source. I remember like I opened this pull request on the React Native website and the number one comment was like, we don't want, we don't want to write flow specs. Yeah, like the code <laughs> Yes, everyone wanted TypeScript and I can totally understand that. Like, uh, but the code works in a way that it needs some input, uh, which is in flow because you know, we wrote this tool internally and for us, we use flow internally. So all the specs are written in typed JavaScript, uh, which is flow for us. Um, but yeah, like we totally understood that it could not work. Like it, it, like we can't ask people in a fully TypeScript code base to add flow for one file to use the code gen. That's just like unrealistic. That's why uh, last, Last year, uh, we spent time also writing uh, a module for the CodeGen, which accepts TypeScript definition. So nowadays, you can give the CodeGen either a TypeScript or a JavaScript or a JavaScript flow spec. The CodeGen will understand both and will generate code for you. Again, as I said before, this tool is evolving. There are APIs, there are some types which we know are not fully supported and some, uh, some libraries mentioned like, hey, I want to use this type for my for my component because this is how I represent this property. I don't know. Um, and they're not supported, but we are um, highly engaging with the community and a lot, like some of those modules have been partly developed by the community. And, and yeah, we're excited to do this together well, and to 
question here, yeah. can you even realistically uh, target complete uh, uh, complete compatibility with like all of the crazy nested TypeScript types, generics, all that? Probably not. Probably you need to stop somewhere and just let people with extreme use cases do their own work, right? Yeah, that's it. That's exactly the thing I was saying before. Cogen is optional. So it works for the majority of the use cases. And again, this is this was the rationale that we um, that we took when we envisioned this tool. Let's try to address the most general use case. You know, like whenever you do components, the properties you will have are, I mean, the, the list of types is also available on the website. And we expect you to use those types. If you don't, then you will have to write your own implementation for those views, and then you're free to do whatever you want. You can still use the new architecture. You will not use the code gen, or maybe you will use the code gen for some of your specs, but not for that specific component, which has more advanced props. So uh, again, we are trying to make the, the all thing as flexible as possible. So on one end, we have the, let's say, most encapsulated solution, which hides everything and takes all the decision for you and gives you like a set of feature, which we believe is good. And now on that end, we have the most complex and structured scenario, which allows you to use all the possible types and, and APIs and so on. And we're trying to, you know, be a little bit in the middle and make sure that we have a like good solution and a template that works for the majority of the use case uh, and so on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you add some more to the elevator pitch for the pillars or do you want to move on to the topic that you want to talk about clearly uh, to the modern languages? I would love to talk about the modern languages, yeah, uh, let's do that. <laughs> but, but yeah, like again, uh, back on your architecture, you can find a lot of docs on our website. Um, I will also love to stress that we have a working group called the New Architecture Working Group. You will find it on github.com slash react wg slash react native new architecture. Um, and there we have discussions on how the new APIs looks like or specific use cases you might have and so on. So um, join the conversation. Like we are eager to hear your feedback. Specifically, there is also a, a thread uh, that one of my colleagues, Ricardo, started uh, recently to collect pain points on uh, the migration. So oh, if yeah. you try to start to start the migration and it doesn't work for you and you feel like, hey, I would love to have this API, it's not available, or you deprecated this, I was relying on that, now how can I do my fancy animation or so? Please go there. Like now is the time to raise your flags and let us know if things are not working for you and how we can we can change that. And, I think that's a great yeah. point. I think that's a great point that now it's the time. If you have some problem, if you try to enable new architecture now and you have some problems, you have this fired up community that have same experiences as you and you can find help more quickly and maybe you can even um, push React Native new architecture in a ways that uh, answers for your use case. If you try that in a year, maybe there, the API is more stable and more mature and maybe you won't find as much uh, eagerness to, to deal with your use case. Correct, correct. So again, Call to action, reach out to us. We are, 
I mean, I'm personally checking the GitHub issues and uh, all the new discussions daily. So it will definitely land on my inbox if you, <laughs> if you open a discussion there. Uh, but yeah, don't be afraid and let us know. We are here to, to see how we can make this whole ecosystem better. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm talking about making the ecosystem better. Now, <laughs> like let's let's di deep dive into modern languages because yeah, great bridge. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, what are the? Yeah. Let me ask the question then. So, what are the modern languages in native development, and how are they impacted by new architecture? Totally. So, um, so again. The, we can talk about languages at every layer of the stack I mentioned before. Uh, so on web, we, uh, we, we, I talked about TypeScript. Uh, so the Cogen TypeScript is available. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, here, I don't have much more to share at this stage, but um, I would love to uh, mention that we are closely aware of how important is TypeScript support for React Native developers. And uh, it, like, Internally at Meta, as I said, we don't use TypeScript, but we know that people outside do. And um, we are striving to make sure that uh, our tools works well in this environment. The Cogen was one example, and we hope to, to improve the situation further. Back on the platform layer, so we do have obviously Kotlin on Android and Zwift on iOS. So. I am a lover of Kotlin, and I can yeah. talk hours about it. And um, and yeah, so where do we stand? Well, first, let me uh, on the Kotlin side of things, um, the new architecture is completely like orthogonal to to Kotlin adoption. So you can freely uh, use Kotlin with or without the new architecture. Um, but uh, there are a couple of initiatives here in this space. First. We, uh, over the last months, we spent time updating our website to be bilingual. So now if you uh, open the website, whenever there is a Java snippet, you will find a tab with the equivalent Kotlin, uh, Kotlin code. Um, so the idea here is, uh, uh, first, shout out to the community because this was done as a community-driven effort. If you go on the React Native website repo, you will find a pinned issue. Uh, which um, there you can see which pages has been migrated. I think 75% of them are done. So we are basically done with the with this bilingual migration. And talking about Kotlin in, in user space. So the, te the official template uh, for React Native is still in Java. So yeah. essentially, uh, when you create a new app, you will have Java file. But if you go in the repo of React Native, you will see that there are some Kotlin files. So slowly, uh, there are some modules in the core of React Native that have been rewritten or adopted to be in Kotlin. And I hope this uh, effort to go and continue further because um, I personally believe that Kotlin APIs are nicer to read, smaller, easier to maintain, and so on. And so also- question about yeah. that. Uh, you mentioned that there are already uh, exist um, some Kotlin files inside template for Android. Is the effort to migrate everything to Kotlin or is the effort to keep uh, Java and Kotlin 
template separate so people can choose which one they want to use? So, well, your question goes on, like, could be answered on different layers because uh, you're asking me if there is an effort to migrate everything to Kotlin. Uh, and the question is like, is it for the internals of React Native or is it for the template? Because those are two, two things. Uh, I would say that uh, there is no specific effort, at least not in the immediate future, to migrate everything. Like, mm -hmm. it's not that there is people allocated to just, hey, migrate these, these I don't know, 100 files. Uh, but that, um, like, there is a, let's say, a recommendation to consider new modules being written in Kotlin oh, okay. uh, because the ecosystem is moving, the whole mobile Android ecosystem is moving towards that direction. Uh, and also as internally, uh, like if you decompile any of, of the meta app, you, I'm pretty sure you will find the Kotlin standard library. If it's not written by us, some, some of our dependencies is importing it. So Kotlin is basically, I think uh, statistics mentioned that it's like, I don't know, in the, the vast majority of the apps in the Play Store. So, so yeah, uh, as for the template, so for the APIs, we expose to user because, you know, one thing is a module that we use internally and you don't need to touch it. So you will never interact with that. Another thing is, is, a, is a popular class like React application or React package and so on, which you might interact with because you want to create a new one and so on. Uh, those, well, we're considering that. Like we might one day update them to Kotlin to make them easier to use from the Kotlin side of things, but still backward compatible with Java. That's yeah, the old that, promise. That makes sense. With, the, yeah. the gradual adoption, if you are making something new, making it Kotlin, uh, if it works in Java, there's no point of rewriting unnecessarily uh, if it doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, correct, correct. As for iOS instead, the, the, the whole discussion is around Swift. So, uh, well, Swift is a bit more complicated because uh, of interoperability with C++. And Swift and Objective-C are not um, as interchangeable as Java and Kotlin are. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and again, here, sadly, I don't have anything to share at the moment. Uh, what I can say is if you go to the new architecture working group, you will find people that manage to write new components uh, using Swift by encapsulating some of the APIs and so on. Uh, so it's doable to some extent, um, but yeah, we are aware that we would love this to, to be better. And um, and again, I don't have anything, to, anything new to share at this stage, uh, but we're keeping a closer look at that. So the last yeah. new language in a sense, <laughs> which is not new, but we're adding that to the, to the equation here is C++, as I was mentioning before. Yeah. So on that, uh, that we are um, like recently paying a lot of attention uh, because as with the new architecture, the cogen will generate also C++ code and that code needs to be compiled in some form. Mm -hmm. uh, and for example, one thing that we noticed is that user reported a lot of increase in build time, which is something that we don't want to don't want to ship to the all you know to the whole ecosystem like if your build time increases from seconds to minutes that's not ideal it's it's really like uh like a poor like a, a degradation of the developer experience so yeah in general like we are closely looking at that and there will be 
there will be changes. Like this is one of the projects where we're like, you know, spending some effort in making sure that you can you compile only what is needed. You don't recompile extra things. You use pre-built libraries as much as possible. In general, our like gold north star is that uh, React Native developers don't need to know that there is C++ code to compile. C++ should mm -hmm. be an implementation detail. If you, as a developer, are creating a library with like advanced features, or you want to squeeze performance uh, goals out of it, then you can write your native module, your, your Turbo module in C++. And that would probably work better than uh, any other platform implementation of that Turbo module. But that is a specific use case. The user, like whoever creates an app, should not, should not need to know that there is C++ code under the hood. Should not be uh, like impacted by that. So this is actually this is actually something that uh, most brings me to React Native. What most uh, excites me about it that uh, you can treat the whole native file system as an implementation detail and write your whole application in JavaScript. And for some use cases, for most probably, you can do that and just be done with it. But if you want to do it, you can go to the platform level and you can go to the, like you said, native level to the C++ level and extend your knowledge and, and learn all about those things on those different uh, different levels. That's amazing for me. Totally, totally. So yeah, again, our goal is to try to encapsulate as much as possible. Still, you know, hiding implementation details, but still allow for extensibility for advanced use cases, libraries, and so on. And, and yeah, like if you ever worked with C++, you will know that is, well, extremely powerful, but maybe not as, not as a pleasure as, you know, web development. Uh, I don't know, like really, it's especially if you're if you're coming from web, touching C might look might entice you away from the framework entirely. Intimidating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. It's extremely powerful, but uh, we don't want people to mess with that unless they really need. So, yeah. so yeah, uh, that's that's the that's the thing about C in the equation now. Okay, so to move on to another section that I wanted to talk about and you already briefly touched on, but just to have this like a clear structure, can you speak something to the benefits of switching on to the new architecture of React Native? Yeah, uh, totally. So I already mentioned on those, but to reiterate to everyone, first React 18 and new APIs, uh, which is crucial. You want to make sure you're up to date with all of your dependencies and APIs and you follow the ecosystem. We understand we might go a bit faster uh, than your uh, ability to migrate, but now we are actually giving time to people to, to adapt and so on. So React 18. Uh, then unified implementation. So a lot of those uh, bugs on like discrepancies between platforms should go away. I, I don't think you will actually see the implications of these straight away after you migrated, but uh, you will benefit this on this in the long run. Um, type safety, if you use the code gen, it's crucial. It will save you like a lot of uh, runtime crashes, essentially. Um, and um, and yeah, essentially also uh, new, new APIs and capabilities. Some of those are coming from React 18. Other APIs uh, might just be React Native only. 
And then um, the last thing to consider is also uh, the the bridgeless mode in the future. Like you will not be able to to enable the the full bridgeless mode. You you will not be able to get rid of the bridge if you don't migrate to the new architecture. Yeah. Essentially, <laughs> this is sort of like. Uh, sort of obvious, and and there there will be performance improvements in the startup of your app because we will not need to initialize the bridge, and uh, your app will just start faster. Uh, and on top of that, again, new API. We were talking about C plus plus. Maybe maybe you're doing something like fancy and complicated, and uh, and you could now create a module in C plus plus that you can reuse between Android and iOS uh, and access it from both platforms. Uh, and so on. So, uh, really, the opportunities are like are several, and uh, and in a sense, the development of React Native is going in this direction. So you don't want to lose these opportunities. There is nothing worse than being on React Native sixty two <laughs> while we release React Native seventy, because at that point, I cannot even help you to upgrade. Like if you open an issue on React Native and you're on 69 and you're going to 70, I can tell you like, hey, your upgrade is broken because you missed that flag. But if you have eight versions in between, mm -hmm. that's impossible for us. Like how can, how can I know how many things passed by and you missed? So in general, like consider being, try the latest version of React Native. We do real, real, like release candidates and so on. And this is a recommendation that goes beyond the new architecture as a whole. Like, try to keep up to date. We do yeah. security patches on some of our dependencies, so you don't want to be on stale versions. Go there. It's about the, the dependencies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The industry is uh, going in that direction. You don't want to be the guy so. who asks, who uh, points out a bug in a two-year-old version of, of some library. Correct. Correct. So yeah, that should not be the case, really. Yeah. So. In order to get the benefits that you spoke about briefly, um, do I have to, is there a way, I'm trying to say, is there a way to adopt new architecture gradually? Yeah. Or is it all is. or nothing? Well, uh, again, this, uh, this answer needs a little bit of, uh, little bit of discussion because, uh, yes, there is a way to adopt it gradually. Um, and, um, it's uh, on the Turbo Modules side of things. So Turbo Modules are fully backward compatible. So when you enable a when you enable the Turbo Module system, if you go in the template, you will find a flag in the uncreate called React Flags Enable Turbo Module or something like that. Uh, that flag sort of switches on the Turbo Module mode, and uh, all the native module which are not Turbo Module, they will work in a legacy mode. And uh, so you can just enable that and slowly migrating uh, your modules to Turbo modules. You so, might have, yeah. Yeah, so this is actually a way that reanimated worked, right? Because we didn't enable new architecture in our application, but somehow we got this library that was Turbo module enabled and we could use some of the features from new architecture uh, like two years ago or something. Yeah, and I don't know the internals about Reanimated and how this was used. Actually, that's super interesting. I hope to catch up with the folks from Reanimated <laughs> to understand. Uh, and we are like, you know, closely working with them uh, recently to to make sure that, you know, the amount of breaking changes we push out at least are 
um, like they are documented before we actually make the change. Because historically, things just landed on master or on main and uh, people who discover on a new version of React Native 8, this API is gone. Uh, now we're trying to be like a little bit more upfront on uh, when we make changes, how we document them and so on, how we make sure that libraries are aware that this change is happening and so on. So there's been mm -hmm. a lot of changes recently around Hermes and how Hermes is bundled and consumed by libraries and apps and so on. Uh, and yeah, we try to, to again, be more front and ask people like, hey, we're removing this package, are you depending on it? Um, and so on. So generally, I felt that people gave us positive responses. But um, if this is not the case, like if you feel that uh, you are having a hard time interacting with the React Native team, uh, your library is, I don't know, you're having a problem maintaining it is painful and so on, let us know. Again, there are ways to contact us. Um, sure. back, back to the all or, or, or nothing. So Turbo modules yeah. are fully backward compatible. Uh, Fabric, so the new render, uh, that it's a bit more complicated. So what will happen is if you try to start uh, a new surface, like on Android, you start your main activity and that activity has the Fabric flag set to true and you're using some components which don't support the new architecture, they will be rendered as a purple box. And inside the box, you will see like this view is not implemented. Like mm. uh, we're, we can't find a, like an implementation for your, I don't know, magical slider and so on. Yeah. Uh, so for Fabric, um, well, there is not really like, um, it's, it's a bit more complicated again, because if you have multiple uh, surfaces, like multiple routes, yeah. then you can technically enable fabric on those that are only using components which are fully migrated. My uh, answer to that when yeah. clients ask me about this, mm -hmm. if we can gradually adopt, is that uh, it is possible, but it is not recommended, to be honest. Correct. And... And on this, um, again, well, so it's, it's up for debate. So far, we haven't received any um, major concern on gradual adoption of Fabric. Like people haven't, haven't came to us and told us like, hey, no, Fabric, we, like we can't just do this all at once. It's too much work. Um, but like there are ways to potentially offer some degree of backward compatibility on that layer as well. Um, but, but let me be frank, uh, the more uh, backward compatibility options we offer, the slower this old migration will get. Mm -hmm. And the slower this old migration will get, the slower we will release new APIs and features and so on. So in a sense, um, for Fabric, for the new render, so the, for the new UI, we are looking into uh, doing this rollout, which is surface per surface. I also understand that there are like, you know, medium, medium size apps, they just have just one route. They just have one yeah, activity I, and that's it. I feel like most of the application in React Native out in the world have just one route. They were created with React Native in it. Uh, those can be really complicated and big applications, but they Correct. still have just one root because there, there was no need to add like a brownfield approach or something like that or multiple root approach. Yeah. So for those I, applications, it is all or nothing, basically. Yeah, essentially, yes. 
And um, and again, we are uh, pushing hard on libraries and supporting them as much as possible to migrate to Fabric. Uh, libraries have these opportunities to uh, offer uh, backward compatible components. So you can, uh, and again, on this, we have a sample repository called Iran New Architecture Libraries, which contains a sample implementation of both a component and a module, which work with both architecture. Oh, I've um, heard about it, yeah. Yeah, so you can release your library in a way that will work for users on both arcs. Uh, and um, we also tried to write a library um, to write the sample repos with the highest amount of reusable code as possible. So you will see there is just like a like a thin layer, which is the API is exposed to the new to, to the old and the new architecture, but then mm -hmm. implementation of the view is the same. So it's just like a little bit of work for libraries to do this uh, this setup. Uh, but in general, um, yeah, it shouldn't be that hard for the vast majority of components. But again, um, as I said, we are here to hear uh, feedbacks. Like we would really love to know if uh, you are having problems because fabric all or nothing, uh, it's it's hard for you, and uh, you like we need to find a way to offer more gradual rollout. Again, we are closely looking into reducing the amount of changes that we request libraries and apps to do to adopt the new architecture, because that was basically our number one feedback. The amount of things to do is too big. So mm -hmm. not everything that we request is mandatory. Like some of those changes are necessary to work with the new architecture. Some of them are optional, like the code gen is optional. You don't need to configure all of your project to work with Cogen if you don't need it or, or so. So we are really looking in uh, simplifying the migration docs. And in this, we need your we need helps from from also the, the community because, you know, we, we keep on working with our apps and our apps have like a really um, a typical setup. Like they don't build with Gradle, they don't build with Cocoa Pods, and uh, oh. there are yeah no internally at Meta we use Buck. So okay. so that's you why know. the file is there. That's why the file is in the React Native template. The Buck well, file. Let me let me tell you about that. Uh, so the the reason why there are Buck files all all over the place in the in the React Native um, repo is uh, because whenever you do a change. Um, we run a Circle CI job called TestBuck uh, that uses a version of Buck available on open source, so you can actually download and use it. Uh, and that version builds React Native uh, with Buck. Uh, and that gives us a confidence that the change you're proposing uh, will work in our repository because uh, our internal repo uses Buck and when that gets imported, that also needs to yeah. build. So, and also gives you, you, the contributor, a confidence uh, and a signal, like, you know, we are telling you, hey, you are moving those files. Maybe you, you, you took care of the Gradle setup for that or the Cockapod setup for that, but it will not work with Buck, like it will not build. So you need to look into that. Yeah, uh, that's also the reason why there are those bug files in the template and in Iran tester and so on. Um, but yeah, so like to clarify this curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, switching back to switching to new architecture. Mm -hmm. um, do you imagine, do you know that there will be a date that is a 
cutout date that, okay, from this React Native version, there are no, it's not backwards compatible. There is no old architecture from 77, let's say. Do you know anything like that? And what will drive that decision? Yeah, um, well, I don't have anything to share at this stage on this. Um, what I can say, and it's safe to assume that there will be new versions, new APIs, uh, especially also new APIs uh, in React uh, that might uh, impose a drop of previous APIs. Um, we don't have a date now. Like It's not that I tell you, hey, you need to migrate before the end of yeah, next yeah. year because we are going to, to drop that. Uh, but this also doesn't mean to be too too much relaxed about it, I would yeah. say, because I was, as I was saying before, there is it, it's a lot of cost for us to maintain both architectures and and so on. So um, and we realize that this, I mean, this obviously could not be like a like a like a you know a hard migration like it, from this version we remove all the previous files. Like we had to offer some degree of backward compatibility. Um, so what I can say is, if you're thinking of when will be the best time to migrate. You should start now. It's now. Yes, it's now. And uh, yeah. the reason why it's now, it's because now we do have resources allocated to support. Like yeah. now we are really looking at those APIs or those migration stories, and we are adapting our, uh, like our docs and our material around your feedback. This is, this is a unique opportunity to have your voice heard and uh, have your concern being addressed. In mm -hmm. and you one can year, influence. yeah, in one year and two years from now, this might not be the case. It might be that most of the libraries have been migrated and maybe your super complicated project where you're using, I don't know which APIs and so on. Uh, well, we can't just you know, support you directly there. Mm -hmm. um, so, so again, and also it, it, it needs to be crucial. Like, in it, like I want to stress on how, let's say expensive it is for us to offer this kind of support because think about how many libraries and apps are there in the, in the open source space, like thousands. I don't know how many really, but uh, having dedicated engineers supporting some like and answering uh, questions and supporting and so on, like addressing, adapting APIs to to handle that you that edge case, is like is a unique opportunity. Don't waste it. So really, uh, spend the time to start looking into that. Voice your concern. Let us know if things are not working. And uh, and yeah, like I. Um, I, I can mention about some practical changes that we are releasing in the next versions. Uh, that is my next question. Yeah, that is yeah. actually something that I want to close off this podcast with is your perspective and your insider knowledge about what's coming to new architecture in the near future. What is the timeline uh, from now on to, yeah, to the future? Yeah. So again, I don't know when this podcast will be out exactly. Uh, I think by that time, maybe 070 will be released. Um, so 070 uh, brings a couple of changes. 
which I personally worked on, and I think they are great. Uh, and they were sort of like, um, I think w one of that specifically was like a, like a, a, a necessary change. Uh, and what I'm talking about is auto-linking support for Android with new architecture libraries. So uh, if you're familiar with auto-linking, it's a mechanism we have nowadays to essentially um, link platform libraries, like link at the platform level, libraries that you import at the web level. So when you do yarn add a library, uh, the platform level, so Android and iOS, Gradle and CocoaPods are uh, like, they have this capability of understanding which of those libraries might contain some code that needs to be imported and linked uh, with like a Java dependency or a CocoaPod pod dependency. Um, this was working for Java only, like the problem wasn't Android, it was working for Java only. But as we have also C++ code now, the linking of the native library was not working. So you will have, before 070, you will have to go inside your android.mk file or cmake file if you had one and uh, uh, basically specify the library where you want to link against. And uh, well, uh, let me tell you, I don't know how many people actually did that. There might be some, some projects. Actually, the thing is there were some projects like React Native Screens, which basically built their own custom versions of auto-linking for that library only. Mm -hmm. And that's nothing that we want. Like, I mean, it's, it's an amazing effort to make the library compatible with new architecture early on. But we want a solution that works for every library. We can't do, we can't force the library to maintain the code for their own lot auto-linking. So, so yeah, uh, basically now, like the, the beauty of this is that everything will work without you knowing. So whenever there is a new library in, in the node modules folder, uh, the system will understand if that is a new architecture library and if so, will link na native sources correctly. Um, awesome, awesome. Yeah. I remember the time when there was no auto-linking in at all, and you had yeah. to go to uh, application file or no application file and add the libraries manually. Yeah, that's like that's a no-go. So the, yeah. the ecosystem is sort of used to using this kind of mechanism, and we want to make sure this mechanism works well also for new architecture. And uh, yeah, I mean, shout out to folks at Coltec because uh, this was uh, a part of the C of the auto linking is in the CLI, yeah. uh, which New version. has been yeah, which has been developed uh, by by you folks. So uh, that was that was great, and thank you very much for for helping us on this. Another another uh, thing uh, that is also coming in um, in zero seventy that's again related. It's it's sort of like similar to this. Uh, is uh, C make support uh, end to end, and again this is maybe like a technical thing. Like no one will really care about it, uh, but as as I care. Let me spend a couple of seconds on, the, on that. So, sure. uh, like, again, on Android, we need to build the native sources, like uh, C++ and uh, file that ends with .cpp or .h. Um, and how do we build that? So Android offers two ways to build that. Uh, one is to use make files, which are called android.mk. Uh, and another way is to use CMake, which is a uh, build for tool, like a tool for building C++ code. Uh, 
Um, well, so if you uh, you probably saw those Android.mk files around uh, in, in libraries or definitely in the React Native core code. Um, so the problem with that file is that um, that way of building uh, native code is really, um, let's say, old school. Um, and it's, un I don't want to say undocumented, but the documentation around Android.mk is really limited. Um, and it's really specific to Android. That's a way that, like, it's the original way that Android had to build native sources. The industry standard for building native sources is to use CMake files, which are A, working better on Windows, B, uh, easier to understand. Uh, there are more, more tools around them. There are auto-completion on IDEs. Uh, there are uh, a lot of docs, books around them that you can read if you want. Uh, and the catch around this, uh, which I think in the end uh, will be the, the benefits uh, for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's the that's the main focus right now to improve the life of developers, developer experience, like React Native in general. Uh, Nicola, thank you so much for joining me on this journey through new architecture of React Native. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here and to digest all this knowledge, all this internal insider knowledge about how the React Native new architecture works, how it will evolve in the future, what should, she, what, uh, should we expect from it. Uh, again, thanks so much for jo joining me for this show. It was a pleasure, totally. Like, again, if people want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter and on GitHub as Cortinico. Um, my email is there. You can reach out or you can, like, I would suggest you open an issue or a discussion in the New Architecture Working Group. Uh, I tend to be quite approachable. Uh, sorry if I don't answer immediately to everyone. Receive quite a lot of messages. Uh, but again, it, it was a pleasure to be here. I'm keen to hear your migration story, your experience, and, and so on. Let's make this, this awesome for everyone. Yeah, let's bring the new architecture to the masses as soon as possible. Thanks so much. And that was our show today. Thank you, everyone. Uh, see you in the next one. Bye.